Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of February 2nd through the 4th, 2024. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. I just finished my second day at my new job. So far, so good. Uh, we finally have a new opening film in Wide this past weekend, though. It came in below expectations, so maybe don't celebrate just yet. Uh, aside from that, not much else on the box office front. So we'll talk about some headlines as well as look at the Sundance pickups and also look ahead at the Chinese Lunar New Year box office numbers. So at box office-wise, in first place, this weekend we had Universal and Apple's Matthew Vaughn-directed spy comedy Argyle. It made $17.5 million in 3,605 theaters in its debut weekend for a per-theater average of 4847 Overseas made about another $17.3 million for about $34.8 million total. Uh, this is below the $20 to $30 million that box office pros had forecasted, which doesn't really bode well for the, given that Apple financed the film for about $200 million. Now, I don't think this film actually cost $200 million to make. I think rather Apple instead, since they're probably going to put it on the streaming service, um, and that's probably the main plan for this film, kind of like Kills of the Flower Moon and so on, they're just going to go ahead and... Uh, and they just basically paid for everyone's residuals up front. Now, they now, given that you know the other films, Napoleon and and um, and uh, and uh, Hills of the Flower Moon, for example, have Oscar prestige. This one doesn't. So I don't know if this really fits in the model of what they're looking to do. So, but hey, movies isn't Apple's main deal. They're just trying to get a foothold in the market, uh, even if it's very little. So we'll see if they maybe become a little bit more selective about the films they do, or if they continue as Netflix did for you know much of their early run. Uh, in any case, the cinema score for Argyle was a C plus with a 34% critics, 71% audience on Rotten Tomatoes, so not that great. Um, the biggest complaint of the film seems to be a convoluted plot and an overly long runtime, about two hours and twenty minutes. However, there are great uh, performances in here, especially by Sam Rockwell. It seems Henry Cavill for the limited time scene in it, John Cena and Dua Lipa. Uh, in second place, Angel Studios, uh, um, you know, uh, old reliable The Chosen had its fourth season debut with the Fathom Events run, uh, $5.9 million over three-day th- weekend, 2,281 theaters for a 2,605 per theater average. It actually opened a day earlier um, than the rest of the film, so it's three-day week, it's, oh, it's lifetime total so far, it's a little bit more at $7.3 million for the week. In third place, The Beekeeper holds on in weekend four with only a 21% drop, really good, uh, 5.2 million in 3,277 theaters, losing only 60 for a 1,612 per theater average and a 49.4 million domestic total. Uh, another 60 million overseas puts it at over 109 million worldwide lifetime. Uh, fourth place goes to Wonka, crossing the 200 million mark domestically, 201 million to be precise, making 4.6 million this weekend, dropping only 17% in weekend eight, 2,901 theaters for a 16.13 per theater average. Another 371 million dollars overseas has it at 572 million worldwide. 600 million is looking a little bit is is looking possible here. Finally, in fifth place, Mike Grayson hangs in there, uh, dropping 14% to $4.2 million in Weekend 7, 2,830 theaters for a per theater average of $1,481, total of $106.2 million domestic. Another $115 million overseas puts it at just over $221 million worldwide. Now, normally I just do the top five, but I will give an honorable mention to Mean Girls, which after three weekends at the top of the box office, instantly dropped down outside of the top five to sixth place this week, weekend four for a 44% drop and 3.8 million, currently sitting at 66 million domestic and $92 million worldwide. 
Now, outside of the top six, most of the Oscar nominees that had a little bit of a bump last weekend uh, were seated this weekend with most of them losing theaters, the exception being American Fiction and Zone of Interest. Uh, this American Fiction gained 200 theaters up to 1902, uh, and then um, Zone of Interest gained 277 theaters up to 594 total. Uh, meanwhile, last uh, two weeks ago, debut ISS uh, from Bleecker Street in its third weekend dropped uh, what uh, 1688 theaters down to only 814. So definitely dropped like a stone, making three hundred ten thousand dollars on a six point three million dollar domestic total. As far as limited releases were this week, uh, Roadside Attractions had scrambled, making $249,000 over 762 theaters, so only $328 per theater average. Uh, Magnolia Picture had The Promised Land, which was Denmark's submission for the Oscars, opened in the 192 theaters for uh, $121,633 per theater average. Uh, the biggest success this weekend was probably um, from... Uh, UK's the UK first-time f- uh, filmmaker Molly Manning Walker coming out w- coming of age film How to Have Sex was distributed by Mubi, opening in four theaters for a twelve thousand one hundred forty-nine dollar per theater average. Uh, total box office this past weekend was $59 million, down to, to $78 million last uh, in the comparable weekend last year uh, when we had the openings of uh, Knock at the Cabin and 80 for Brady. Um, even if Argyle, uh, you know, opened to a little bit more than those did, um, it was the only film only over $10 million this weekend. Meanwhile, this time last year, there were three above $10 million, um, those two plus the eighth weekend of Avatar. Uh, this coming weekend, the only wide release looks to be Zelda Williams directed Catherine Newton and Cole Sprouseland. 80s inspired rom-com Lisa Frankenstein from Focus Features, set to make about seven to twelve million dollars. Um, given that the Super Bowl is this weekend, I don't expect uh, it'll be a great weekend for the box office. Uh, in limited release, uh, we have the French Oscar submission The Taste of Things opening, um, and then we also have the re-release of Turning Red, though I don't think that will be much of a factor. Uh, Soul, for reference, in its re-release made less than half a million dollars. Though, I guess to Turning Red's credit, uh, it may get a little bit of a bump from the Lunar New Year, uh, which might be relevant for the t- for you know Asian and Asian American audiences. Speaking of, let's go ahead and talk about the Lunar New Year over in China. Now, since I brought back the podcast from its unintended hiatus, um, you know, I have I've kind of dropped looking at the overseas and specifically the Chinese market, um, just because you know, combination of China being in a little bit of a worse place economically, um, and also generally just not being as receptive to Hollywood films. Um, instead, I've chosen to focus more on the domestic market a bit more. That being said, every late winter, early spring, you know, it still is arguably the biggest day of the box office uh, in the in the world. With the Lunar New Year coming out, uh, and obviously that being a major, the major holiday in China, uh, leading to crazy box office numbers over there. Uh, last year, the first day of the holiday came at about one ninety eight million dollars U.S. or about one point three four billion uh, RMB uh, from twenty four million ticket sales. That is a bit down from previous years. You know, twenty twenty one had one point four five RMB and twenty twenty two had one point six seven. But still, you know, over the course of the week long holiday last year, they were able to get up to just under a billion U.S. dollars six point seven. 6 billion RMB. This year, there are three big films vying for the top of the box office. Uh, we have Pegasus 2, which is a sequel to the 2019 hit Pegasus, starring to- actor to- Teng Shen uh, coming back as a former race car driver. Think kind of like Cars. Um, we have Article 20, which is the newest film from House of Dra- Flying Dragon Daggers director Zhang Yimou, who last year had the highest grossing film in China, uh, Full River Red. It was also the hi- seventh highest grossing non-English film ever, about $673 million U.S. dollars. Uh, Article 20 tells the story of a Prosecutor played by actor Lei Zayin, uh, who is involved in a complicated self-defense case. 
And then the third film to look for is YOLO. Uh, it's the sophomore film from director Jia Ling, who debuted with the surprise hit Hi Mom in 2021, which at the time was the second highest grossing film in China, now the third highest, uh, with about 841 million US. Uh, until Barbie, actually, this was the highest grossing solo female directed film. Um, and still is actually the highest uh, grossing in a single market. Um, YOLO, which also stars director Ling, uh, tells the story of a social recluse uh, who discovers boxing as a way to integrate back into society and get her life back on track. Uh, Ling apparently lost 50 kilograms for the role, which is kind of insane. You don't see those numbers unless you're like Christian Bale or something. Uh, anyway, in addition to these films, other films releasing include The Movie Emperor, a film by Ning Hao, who directed 2019's Crazy Alien, which made $320 million U.S., and and also was also part of the uh, nationalist uh, uh, anthologies My People, My Country, and My People, My Homeland. Um, it stars Andy Lau as a has-been Hong Kong star who is trying to make a comeback. Um, director Han Yan also has his film tri- um, uh, Viva La Vida completing his life trilogy. And there are a couple of animated films, you know, uh, Ba Jie and Huang Pi, though those probably won't be uh, make be much of an impact and will be instead overshadowed by the ever-popular Boonie Bears franchise uh, with its 10th film this year, uh, it's hoping to break the 220 million gross of the last entry, which, for context, um, the first film, you know, so many years ago, only made 40 million when it opened. So things have definitely grown for the Booty Bears franchise. Uh, we'll check back next week, of course, to see who ended up being on top. Uh, moving back to the States, you know, obviously a couple weeks ago was Sandance. So here are a couple of films that got picked up for distribution. Um, you know, Netflix got a bunch of documentaries. They got Will and Harper, uh, Will Ferrell, Road Trip Documentary, Daughters, the winner of the U.S. Audience Award, Skywalkers, a documentary about the Russian uh, daredevils, and then uh, Ibelin, which is a World of Warcraft-themed uh, documentary. Um, they also picked up the buzzy genre debut bender um, It's What Inside from the Midnight Section. Uh, this apparently was the biggest get of the festival with a $17 million price tag on it. Uh, my, the film I watched from Sundance, Didi, um, by director Son Wang, who has an Oscar-nominated short film this year, um, uh, and won, which won the U.S. Dramatic Audience Award, was picked up by Focus Features. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg's second film, starring Kieran Culkin, called A Real Pain, was picked up by Searchlight for $10 million. Uh, Thelma, an accent comedy starring a 94-year-old, was picked up by Magnolia. Um, Warner Brothers, you know, normally doesn't get stuff from... Uh, um, from uh, from Sundance, but this year they picked up the Superman, the Chris Reeve story documentary for about fifteen million dollars. Uh, Margot Robbie had a film uh, here, uh, rather see as a producer at, with her Lucky Chap label. Um, the coming of age comedy about time travel, uh, My Old Ass, got picked up by Amazon MGM for about fifteen million dollars. And then some other ones, uh, Netflix also picked up, uh, another documentary I forgot, was The Greatest Night in Pop about the making of the song We Are the World. Um, you know, that, actually watch that one. It's on Netflix now. Um, Neon picked up Presence, which is a Steven Soderbergh ghost story film from the perspective of the ghost. And then Kneecap is a fictionalized Irish rap trio biopic by, picked up by Sony Pictures Classic. And then a bit of a surprise, last year's Oscar-nominated, uh, this year's Oscar-nominated uh, actress Lily Gladstone appeared in a Sundance film last year called Fancy Dance, uh, which ended up not getting any distributors last year. Um, now, over a year later, you know, she's been on the you know the press circuit for Kills of the Flower Moon. Um, she's been bringing up Fancy Dance uh, at there, and you know, finally the pay, it paid off. Apple has picked up the global rights for the film, so that's you know super happy for the team to finally get distribution. Um, I've heard nothing great, but 
great great things about the film. Um, the one from this year that hasn't yet gotten the CBS, I'm really hoping does, uh, is a film starring Sorcerer Ronan called The Outrun, about a recovering alcoholic, super short film, about 85 uh, minutes or so. Um, hopefully it's able to get some distribution here in the States before the fall film festivals to be competitive for this, this for next year's Oscars. Um, other headlines, you know, so there's an update on the uh, Paramount saga. So obviously uh, there's been a will they, won't they on whether Paramount will sell or not. Uh, so far, the major contenders have been uh, potentially Warner Brothers Discovery, though that was somewhat hampered by poor stockholder reaction to, you know, the debt that, that Warner Brothers is already holding and potential regulatory hurdles. Um, and then Skydance head David Ellison, um, who is the son of Oracle's Larry Ellison. Um, you know, obviously Skydance has worked a lot with Paramount to produce, um, you know, Tom Cruise films. So so, you know, he was interested in maybe buying up the studio. The problem, you know, as many people have pointed out, is not only do you, would you be getting the Paramount Studio, you're also getting the, you know, Paramount Plus, which, you know, is still operating at a loss, as well as the bigger issue is all of the cable networks, um, which are probably not as profitable at this point. Well, uh, looks like we have a new contender who's thrown their hat in the ring. Byron Allen of the Allen Media Group, owner of the Weather Channel, among other properties, uh, has officially submitted a bid of about $14 billion for Paramount. This is about 50% more than current estimated value. Uh, no firm word one way or the other whether or not they're going to accept or not, but you know, talks are still happening, so you know, we'll see how things pan out. Also in corporate news, this was a bit of a surprise. Uh, ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery announced a joint streaming service separate from their current streaming services. So, you know, separate from Disney+, Plus, separate from Hulu, separate from ESPN, separate from Max. Um, a, a, thir a standalone streaming service that you can bundle with these different services uh, to provide sports to, uh, on, from every major network coming later this year. No details yet about what will be included, but that's kind of insane that this is happening. This kind of, again, repetition of the Hulu experiment with these, you know, joint ventures from these companies to make a new, yet another streaming service. Of course, sports is kind of the holy grail, I think, of this kind of what people want from these streaming services. That's not really already there. Related to sports, uh, we do have the big game, the Super Bowl, coming later this weekend. Personally, I'm kind of lost interest uh, once my team got eliminated and make the playoffs. Um, and then the teams I was hoping would make the Super Bowl got eliminated. So we've got red team versus red team. Um, but over the course of the year, I did get my wife into football, so she's now super into it, so she wants to watch, so I guess we will. Um, at the very least, you know, I'll have the ads to look forward to, and specifically the movie trailers. Um, the main ones I think that will come out, people are saying, are Deadpool 3, Inside Out 2, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, those are all from Disney. Um, we also have Wicked Part 1 from Warner Brothers, uh, as well as Imaginary Friends, and A Quiet Today Part 1 from Paramount. Uh, finally, some new movie release dates. Uh, Coraline, you know, this I believe this week is celebrating their 15th anniversary. Um, and actually, it'll be coming back to theaters to celebrate that uh, later this August, uh, but coming in 3D, which will be exciting. Still actually have never seen Coraline, so definitely looking forward to maybe casting that. Um, and then Crunchyroll, you know, obviously the anime provider from Sony, uh, announced it will be bringing the popular spy family Code White movie that debuted in Japan. You know, this is nothing in the... This is all original movie, not not currently in the manga, not in the, in the anime. So, you know, uh, an original movie coming uh, to the U.S. on April 19th. Uh, again, definitely looking forward to that one. 
with that I think that's a wrap for this episode you can tweet me an idea for all else I said cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on twitter at bowatchpodcast also on Spotify and iTunes make you subscribe leave a review at the very least share it with a friend any of that helps links to all of those will be in the show notes numbers used in, this, in the show come from dnumbers.com intro and outro music comes from Kevin MacLeod and competent.fumers.io editing production by Ninja Boy Media until next time this has been the Box Office Watch and remember our watch goes on Thank you.